Welcome to Albinism Talk with Marvelyn, with your host Marvelyn Green. Before I introduce you to our guests, please remember to follow Yell for Change on all social media platforms and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you would like to be a part of the Yell and Yellow campaign by sending a pic of you in yellow, please DM us on Instagram to be featured on our social media platforms also. All ages and ethnic backgrounds are welcome. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to this guest. He is from the USA. He is the founder of Life with Albinism podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you my man, Dale Hamilton. Hi, Dale. Welcome to Albinism Talk with me. Thank you. Thank you. And I also want to say thank you for even inviting me. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to do your podcast. I've been seeing you do a lot of your work. I've been seeing you advocating. I've been seeing you reaching out to so many people, international people. I've been seeing you do your thing. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. So Del, just give a little introduction about you, what you do, quote unquote. Okay, so um, as she stated, my name is Dale Hamilton. I'm born and raised in New York. And um, my company is Life with Albinism, LLC. So it's a podcast all about albinism, helping to bring awareness and to share everyone's story. So much like you, Marvelyn, uh, growing up with albinism, um, I've undergone a lot of a lot of mistreatment, a lot of bullying, a lot of teasing, being teased, being made fun of, and um, you know, it, it was definitely it was definitely a journey for me. Um, it didn't bother me much growing up because I had very, very supportive family and that's super important. So I had a lot of very supportive family who taught me to love myself, who taught me to be confident, who taught me to not care what others think. So my journey was a lot smoother because of that. But um, I would say through grade school was probably the hardest time where you're getting picked on the most, you're getting bullied the most during those times. That was probably my hardest time. But um, as I got older, it started to slow down a bit. And, you know, living with albinism definitely became a struggle through everyday life from, you know, the vision difficulties, difficulties with your skin and preventing yourself from getting sunburned, you know, getting sunburned a lot. Um, and in my particular case, not being able to get a driver's license, you know, not having a vision good enough to drive. So it's definitely been a journey for me, but, you know, we're here now and we're, we're advocating for others. Yes, I love that. So, as you, you mentioned about, you know, in school and everything, and I'm going to touch the educational side of things with Alvin and Son. So, the question I'm going to ask you, Del, is when you was a child or when you was younger, um, what age did you notice that you was different from the rest of your family? Um, Hold on, give me... Just give me one second. I accidentally left the program running. Um, Ooh. Okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a gamer, and I accidentally, <laughs> I accidentally left my Avengers game running while okay. we were talking. That's probably why. That's probably why my um, my Wait, audio and everything was acting up. But okay. 
All right, we are ready. We are ready to go now. So let me just look here. Okay. All right, I'm so sorry about that, Marvelyn. Okay, please state that question one more time for me. The question I want to ask you is, when you was a child or when you was younger, what age did you notice that you were different from your family? Oh, that's a very good question. I'll give you I'll give you the exact moment I realized I must have been really different. Well, two two scenarios. Mm-hmm. The first situation um I was at school and I remember just standing in line at school and I remember some some kid, he was older than me. I had to be about I had to be about 6 years old, about 6 or 7 years old. And a kid came up to me and he was like, he says, look at this white boy over here. He says that to me. And I think at that point, that's when I realized, okay, I must really be different because I'm, I'm a black man. I know that I'm black. My whole family is black. Mm -hmm. Yet this guy just called me a white boy. And at that point, that's when I was like, okay, this is how different albinism must be because it's making people misconstrue my race and ethnicity. Um, So that was about seven years old. That was when I first realized I must be different from others. I must be different from the other people in my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, it's a difference in school. So um, so did you, so in your family, what was it like for you um, when you know your skin being different? What was it like for you in your family? What was that like for you when they, you know, did they embrace your albinism when you was a child or was it in a negative sense? So for me, they always, they always embraced it, right? Now what they did do was they would also have their little playful moments, right? So for mm-hmm. me, it was never malicious. It was never um, them trying to tear me down, but they would poke fun at me from time to time. So for example, like my grandma, whenever I would stay out in the sun too long, I would, my skin would get red, obviously. And my mm-hmm. grandma would be like, oh, you look like a lobster or something like that. <laughs> yeah. no, but just to, but just yeah, to be funny, it was yeah. never, it was never malicious intent. It was never her trying to make me feel bad about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to answer your question, um, how they treated it and how they embraced it. So for me, it was always positive. They always looked out for me. They knew, um, they knew my vision difficulties. They knew my difficulties with my skin. So they would always ask me, hey, did you put on your sunscreen today? Make yeah. sure you put on your sunscreen. Where's your glasses? Why don't why aren't you wearing your glasses? So they would always yeah. co- try to keep me on top of things and they always stayed positive with me. So I've never gotten much of a malicious act towards my albinism from family. Yeah, so I mean for me, like I had some of my family members that would care. Cause my mom, when I was back home, I my mom used to take care of my skin. And I remember my godmother messaged me and she was like I used to take care of your skin. They knew that my skin was different, so it was very delicate. So obviously, if you're from the Caribbean or Africa, or from hot countries, and if you have albinism, you know, it's a very, very um, important thing to do to take precaution with your skin. So when I, my grandma here in the UK, God rest her soul, she would get make sure I go to the opticians with my glasses and everything. And 
and also you know just take care of my skin get sunscreens for me as well so I've had um some family members that really took good care of me in a sense so I've had the, the advantage and disadvantage as well um so yeah so obviously for you um Dale educational wise I want to ask you this question is did you receive special accommodations in school for example did you um get enlarged prints because of your sight did you sit in the front of the class and did you get like extra time in your exams very very good question so um for me yes I always sat in the front of my class now I'll be honest and again it varies from person to person for me sitting in front of the class never made a difference I still couldn't read the board I still couldn't see so but um I did receive the other accommodations that you mentioned so I did get enlarged print but here was my issue with that Mm -hmm. even when getting enlarged print it would be too large so oh yes was (laughs) the issue was when I say hey I need larger print for my text I mean for my test they would give me a book that would be about this big it would be like hold on I'm trying to get it on camera it would be like this big the book and I would just be like okay listen that's ridiculously too big and then it became embarrassing right because now when it's test time your teacher's going and she's handing everybody a piece of paper for the test. And then she comes and grabs this huge book from out the back and just drops it on your desk. And now everyone's looking at you like, what the heck is that? And it's super embarrassing, super embarrassing. But yes, I got that accommodation as well as the extra time for tests. No, could I, could I just explain to the audience there? Let me explain what Dell's talking about because I had the same thing happen to me in my, from grade seven to grade 11. Um, I went to secondary school in the UK and um, I don't, I, what you're talking about, it's like two, it's like an A3 paper, yeah? It's putting two A4 papers together. And and it's like, I remember when I was doing my exams and I done my mock test and everybody else's paper looked just looked normal, portrait, came to my one now it just you see this big paper it take up the whole examination this bear this in mind it takes up the whole (laughs) desk and it's so big that they gotta just plop it onto your desk it's so embarrassing it's so embarrassing you know i had to to request to the teachers that no i don't mind having enlarged prints right i don't mind if the font size is on the a4 paper I don't care if I can turn 12 pages, it's fine by me. But to have that big A3 paper, it's like you have to fold it four times four times more just to make it fit in your bag, you know, especially with an in-letter <laughs> right, as well. Right, <laughs> and right. it takes up so much room in your bag. And then my bag becomes so heavy with all these big papers in your bag, you're like, oh my God. It, I, I, I literally, I can understand the struggle yeah. is it's real. <laughs> so did you did you feel embarrassed as well when she yes. came and brought that onto your desk? Yeah, I did. I felt embarrassed. Oh I, I was like, no way. Like everybody else's paper is like 
normal for my it came to me it just made me felt so uncomfortable in school and <laughs> i felt so uncomfortable with that though i'm not even joking. so uncomfortable it super just... uncomfortable <laughs> definitely it, I, I, I now i'm not alone on this one thank god i'm not alone because and when i said that when i said that to my teachers and I refused to, even though they offered me, oh, in large print, whatever, didn't mind the extra time. But that big paper, man, was, it was, it took up the whole, and when, you know, when you're gonna, especially when you're gonna turn the page for the exam bit, and then it's all hanging off the desk. Right, right. Yo, to turn the page, you had to go like this. You had to like, like that to turn the page. <laughs> and then everybody's turning their head and looking at you when you do it. Oh, man. I, I can never to... forget those moments. Never nah, forget. As well as, and then you have everybody, and you know, all eyes are on you. You know, like when you're sitting in the in the examination room, and then you have the invigilators that come in and check if you're present and whatnot. And then obviously, you're so embarrassed. Like you're thinking, oh my god, no one's not gonna do their exams. They're gonna look at me, and and then you have this big paper in front of you. <laughs> Yes. It's, 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 no, it's I'm sorry. But this is for the people who don't, this is what we go through with our visual impairments. This is what we actually go through. And 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 and, and at that time, I didn't understand it. You know, I didn't say, why? Why do you have to do this big? I mean, I don't mind having a large print for me to see effectively, but when it's too, too big, I, that's what I don't like. It has to be not too big, not too small. It has to be adequate for me right. to see. And, and and I'm sure that's the same thing. <laughs> right. No, I agree with you. <laughs> no, seriously, on a serious note, for those who are listening to Albinus and Talk, this is what we have to go through. Me and Del can relate to this type of accommodation where we receive, but that was a struggle for me, even though I'm and another thing what I hated in school as well, I don't know for you, but when they used um, you know, on the boards where they use the different color pens. How did that did, did that affect you as well? Oh, uh, like um, like when they would write on the board with a different yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. a different colored marker. Yeah. Uh, no, um, no, because my my issue was I couldn't read the board regardless. Mm-hmm. So, um, unfortunately, in grade school, I don't believe we had note takers at that time. So usually what I had to do was I would have to like ask a friend to borrow their notes or I would ask the teacher because of course the teacher had a copy of their notes. So whatever the teacher put on the board, I would let her know, hey, I can't see the board. Can you provide me a copy of the notes? So I would usually get a copy from the teacher. So no, yeah. the different colors, it didn't matter to me because I, I couldn't read it anyway, <laughs> you know. They had writing, they had writing, right? Was it yeah. handwriting or was it typed? So um, usually it was handwritten. So I believe what it was is they would handwrite their notes beforehand and then they would Mm -hmm. put it on the board and then I would ask them to give me a copy of what they wrote. Usually Mm -hmm. it was handwritten. I I don't remember it ever being typed. Okay. See, these are things that I go through. It's like sometimes when when I'm in school as well, um, I'll be like nudging my friend, like, oh, excuse me, can you just read that for me? They'll be like, why you're sitting in front of us and no, but my vision is less than yours because I have an albinism. And obviously at that time, and they even put me in special needs for that. I felt like, oh my God, it's, why are you putting me in special needs? And you know. That, the same the same thing happened to me. And I spoke about this on my show. Yeah. 
people with albinism are mm-hmm. wrongfully placed in special needs classes or special yeah. ed. That's how it was called back in the day, special ed classes. They're mm-hmm. wrongfully placed in those type of classes because yeah. of their vision. Now, yeah. here's the difference, though. Even though our vision is low, it doesn't affect our cognitive capabilities. So no, we might no. be sitting in special ed because of our vision, yet we're cognitively more advanced than the people that we're, that are in those special yeah, ed classes. So yeah. we're wrongfully placed. And yeah. they have to stop doing that. They have to stop it's associating true, you know. vision with and cognitive thing, capability. And, 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 the, and the thing is, Del, is what you know, nine times out of 10, our albinism is misunderstood. It's misunderstood. Most of the time, albinism is misunderstood because That's correct. And 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 and, and the fact that okay, just because you have low vision or you're visually impaired, that don't they they treat you like you're some kind of um, liability or you're that you can't do much or you're mentally challenged. Right. And I don't I I don't talk with I don't know if you heard this guy called Josh Cintron. I don't know if you know him. Um, I've done a talk with him. He was on Albertism talk a few weeks back. And he said when he was in school, they treated him like as if he didn't know what he was doing. Even though he knew that it's like you know the the the, the subject, but because of the visual impairment, they want to treat you as as if you're not a- attentive then. And 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 and, and, it, and it's something that we need to advocate and educate the educational world or teachers in schools or colleges or you know quote unquote that just because a person has an impairment that doesn't make them a liability or doesn't make them you know that their cognitive is is impaired just because right, of a, right. of a vision impairment right so um now and mind you that was back when i was in um in in grade school I'm I'm a bit older now. I'm 32, so I don't know if they yes. still do that now. <laughs> Hopefully, well. they have advanced their selective picking, and it's not yeah. like that anymore. But when mm-hmm. I was in grade school, that's how it is. It may be different now. Yeah, and 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 then that's the thing. I'm glad that if they're making changes within the inclusion policies in the schools for visual impaired or low vision students, then that would be awesome. That would be great because. You know, take the time out to study um, albinism, or because there's different type of um, low vision impairments, not just albinism, but albinism is the one that is misunderstood. It's misunderstood. People don't take the time out to study it, and people don't take the time out to do their research about it. So they just jump in. Okay, she's in special ed or special needs class, whatever you want to call it because she's what um impaired or learning difficulty i never had a learning difficulty at all but it was just that my vision impairment right same thing with me. That, i never i never yeah. ever had a learning disability because it i can because it was just, i can spell and i can read my mom taught me how to read and write and i can read and write myself so it was only the thing is is that um I, my vision is low that i can't see the detail properly due to the lack of melanin in the back of my eyes due to albinism and even though I had teachers that really supported me in my school, so I, I'm very glad for the accommodations, but for them, they're large prints. It's too embarrassing for me. I'm not... right. <laughs> right. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I'm sorry to say up to now, I hate. Right now, 
I'm, I'm traumatized if we look at every paper. Every time I think of that, I'm thinking of in school when the teachers just give me these big, enlarged prints. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so let's just move on to the question. Is okay. So Del, about you and life with albinism. So, as a part of Yell for Change advocacy, I would like to ask about other people with albinism their accomplishments their advocacy cause quote-unquote so why life with albinism how did that start it okay so i started life with albinism um one one day and this was this was back in 2018 so this is way before covid way before all of that like way before the podcast hype began um i just realized that so many people had so many questions about albinism you know like mm-hmm. every day every time i walk outside somebody asks me a question about my albinism well n- not every day but a lot of the times mm-hmm. and um i realized that people just had so many questions that they had about albinism and i said to myself i said wouldn't it be great if i just started a podcast that could potentially answer everybody's questions about albinism and just talk about life with albinism how how life is affected by albinism and then i said to myself i know so many different people with albinism living here in new york there's plenty 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 of people with albinism in new york so i have a very close friend named jason who has albinism i also have a cousin who has albinism named avery and those are the two people that I'm most closest to, um, not just in life, but with albinism as well. So I immediately called the two of them and I just said, hey, man, I got this idea for this podcast. Let's call it Life with Albinism. Let's talk about different topics that affect our life with albinism. Every episode will be a different topic. And let's mm-hmm. call other people that we know with albinism and have them come and share their story and share their insight. Um, and that's just how that's just how it started. And I said, you know, we're going to do the first episode with just the three of us, the three original hosts. And then mm-hmm. every episode after that, we're going to interview someone else with albinism. And we're never going to run out of guests to interview because there's so many people with albinism and they know people who know people, so on and so forth. So ever since then, we just kept reaching out to people. Hey, would you like to come join our podcast? Nine times out of 10, they say, yeah, sure. And they would come and they would film. And we've had elderly people. We've had children on our show. We've had women, men, old, young college students, you know, grade school students, whoever. And um, and we just kept we just kept going from there. And then at some point, the podcast started to pick up a lot of attention. And I said, okay, we got to step it up even further. Let's let's make products. Let's make T-shirts. Let's 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 even go further. Like let's make this bigger. Let's get a website. Let's get an Instagram. Let's just grow and grow and grow. And um, our future goal is to just truly become the 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 reason why albinism becomes more integrated into the limelight and what i mean by that is this is that when you look at sports when you look at modeling when you look at television when you look at all of these things you very rarely see someone with albinism sure there's a couple of albino models sure there's a couple of albino actors but it's not many probably less than five in each category if we're talking about the mainstream media so 
that's also something that I eventually want to help to change. I'm not going to try to take sole ownership over changing that, but I want others to help me. And I just want to push the albinism community forward and I want to push it more into the limelight so that we can see more people with albinism popping up in the media, popping up, you know, uh, online, uh, social media or whatever the case, and just help integrate it into the limelight and to just truly push, encourage and educate the albinism community forward. And that's what life with albinism is all about. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, my God. You know what? I don't know if you know this um, me. I'm always trying to push out the T-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, support this, you know, from as the Alpha Change um, advocacy. It's, I, it's no competition with any other advocacy course where you're one of them. And, you know, it is also my due diligence as the founder of Yell for Change is to support the albinism community, whatever it is, in any way that I can, even if to really promote the t-shirts on Yell for Change's t- um, story and um, <clears throat> any projects that anybody else with albinism is doing, um, you know, just to promote their products as much as yeah. mine, because we're all in it together at the end of the day. It's not about competing, it's about we need each other. So without right. each other, we we the the, the, the product or the content won't grow or evolve without support from each other and that's that is that is one of the that is one of the things that um i want you know the albinism community to understand and to know that we all need to support each other we can't be divided so it's to bring out life with albinism to to, to, to launch out, to branch out, because even still, like when I started Yelp training, I saw Life with Albinism, and I thought, oh my gosh, this this is a very good product, you know? I'm gonna, sup- I wanna jump on and support this product, you know? So- Yeah, and I, and I greatly appreciate that because you were one of the first people to ask to buy one of our Life with Albinism t-shirts. And mm-hmm. you also have always shared my content on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Facebook. You've always yeah. spoke highly of my content. You've always helped me to reach more viewers. So yeah. I really appreciate what you do because you, you are truly for the albinism community because you've been promoting me since I first even came in contact with you. So I greatly appreciate your effort. And that's what Thank it's you. about, helping each other and building together as a community. Of course. Of course, and that's what it's all about for me. You know, I, I would love to see. It's it's already hard having albinism. It's already hard, and and, and the struggle what we go through. So why would that make um, another person albinism life more harder? It's about just helping another person up along the way. So you know, if you see a person struggling with albinism, you just encourage them or empower them and say, you know what, your your content is good. Your product is good. Keep going. At you may not get a lot of views now, but the views will come. And if, and if as long as you're passionate about what you're doing, then you will see other people will will be attracted to your work or your your content. If that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I I just I think that that's super important. That's what it's all about. You know, it's just helping each other, building together, and sharing each other's content. You know, and. You're doing amazing content yourself, you know? And I like the fact that you also reach out to a lot of international people with albinism. Like I've seen you uh, reaching out to people in Africa and Kenya and 
and yeah. in, uh, different areas with albinism. So that outreach is super important too. Mm-hmm. Because we're gonna t- speaking of Africa, I'm gonna touch on that in a second. But I want to talk about you when it comes to all right. You know, like when you go out in public, for example, like you go to restaurants and you know just public places in general. What accommodations did you have to do for to help you with your albinism? Okay, so for me, um, the only thing I can think of in those situations is what I would normally do is this. Um, if I'm with someone mm-hmm. and I go to a restaurant, let's say um, I can't read the menu because let's just say there's some restaurants... Let's say if you go to a restaurant that's not a sit-down restaurant, then mm-hmm. they'll have their menu plastered onto the wall, and then it becomes harder to see because the menu is far away from you. So if I'm yes. with someone, I always tell them, hey, I need you to be my eyes for a second. Can you read to me the menu so I can know what they sell or how much it costs? Um, and then if it's like a menu where we sit down and have a menu... I'll try to look as close as I can. And if I still can't read it, now this is more rare because if I can have a paper menu, then I can usually read it because I can bring it as close as I need to. But um, even in that situation, if I couldn't read it, then same scenario, I would ask the person with me or beside, you know, the person who's with me and say, hey man, can you read, could you read to me this menu? That's about all the accommodations that I would that I would make. Um, or another accommodation that I always do when I go to restaurants, if the seating is outside or very close close to the window and it's a very sunny day or a very hot day, I would always switch seats with whomever I'm with. So I would tell my wife, hey, do you mind sitting by the window while I sit over here so I can be away from the sunlight? You know, or if we're sitting outside, I'll particularly pick the table that has the most shade. So I'll always look for the shade if it's a hot day. Yeah, because of the sun, because I, you know, right. with with the sun, you know, the sun is our greatest enemy because of the lack of pigment in our eyes and so forth. So obviously it's good Absolutely. that you know, it's good that you you know you're you're accommodate you're improvising and accommodating yourself in that way to protect to, pro- to protect yourself really from the sun and, and most people of albinism some people are ignorant to this and then, and then there's people who maybe of melanated color be like why do they have to swap seat though but you don't understand it's the fact that when your eyes are like sensitive to the sun it it, cause, it makes the vision more harder when you you know when you go out in the sun and then it's like you know you can't see so well and then your eyes are just kind of like moving around and look at that's happened with me as well so yeah um yeah so we're gonna talk about the myths now oh gosh Dale ah uh, <laughs> Africa is killing us man oh my god so what is your view about the myths in Africa with all these attacks and these superstition beliefs what is your opinion about the myths okay so my my first question is um so we've always 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 heard about the killings in Tanzania that happen where people with albinism um, are of threat in places like Tanzania and other places. My first question is, does that even still happen in 2020? Because whenever I've heard of this, I've heard of this long, long, long time ago, years ago. Is this still current? Do they still do that? Yes, there is. No, I'm not hearing of anything with 
Tanzania as such. However, in certain parts of the southern parts, like Zambia, Malawi, Botswana, the southern parts of um, Africa, there has been cases where people have been abducted and murdered. Um, there was a case in Zambia. There's two cases I've, I have been familiar with. Um, in May, there was a little girl, um, two-year-old girl. She had her, had her hand amputated by two criminals who pretended that they were police officers. And they they went in the girl's room while she was sleeping. And uh, when I talk about this, it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking. So I'm trying my best not to cry on this talk because this is so emotional because this is an innocent baby that did not deserve to have her hand chopped off for ritual purposes. They pretended to be police officers there and they even threatened, obviously, the mother. So they did not only chop the little girl's hand off, but they did it in front of her brother and her mom. And this recently happened? Yes, in May. And there was okay. another so and there's another scenario in September again where the, the same method they've used However, they caught one of the attackers. It was a family member that perpetrated this on a 12-year-old boy. Um, his hand was chopped, but they couldn't save the arm in the hospital. So they had to amputate the hand. So mm-hmm. this is two scenarios that has happened. And and there's other cases as well. And another case in South Africa, I was told by another person on Albinism Talk, she shared this information with me that a witch doctor and two accomplices, they got two life sentences because they killed a girl, 13-year-old girl in South Africa. They mutilated her and they put her genitals, her breasts and her vaginal parts in a mayonnaise jar and sell and put in a pharmacy for ritual purposes. And he actually bragged about it in court. So, cool. so here, here's my thoughts on that. You know, um, of course, as we all know, it's it's horrible. You know, it's it's, it's very mm-hmm. horrible. And I think that at this point in life, we should be past that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I can see that back in the day, like, let's say uh, 30, 40 years ago, I could see albinism being such a phenomenon that people would just think something silly, like, oh, it must be magic because, you know, back then you just didn't have enough science, didn't have enough education to truly know what was going on. So I can understand that they would feel like it was an anomaly way back then. But, you know, we're, we're, we're far more advanced now in medicine exactly. and technology. We should be very all aware of what albinism is. Mm-hmm. The people in Africa should know by now it's not supernatural, it's not witchcraft, you know. So I just hope that these these killings and these these mishaps that are occurring, I just hope that this stuff stops very, very soon because we should be at the point as a society everywhere we're at to know this stuff is not supernatural. We do not have not, any powers. And 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 the thing is as well, though, it's like when I read that story, because when I read that article, it bothered me. I'm not going to lie. It bothered me. I was literally, I literally cried. I'm not going to lie. I, I done a talk on inter, International Albinism Awareness Day. 
with a friend of mine. Um, she hosted the talk and she invited me and two and two other PWAs. And we all said we all when when we was talking about this, we all cried. Like we literally were it was so raw and emotional. I mean, I, I had to be the strong one to really talk about it, you know. I had to really be the one to say man this is this is as much I, I i tried not to even even thinking about it now like i i, I just feel like crying because you know when you when you hear these things i mean it's bad enough that you know adults go through this but i feel it for innocent babies that didn't deserve to be treated in this way and that that little girl touched my heart it touched my heart to the point where I, I said to my husband that man I can't even sleep and he's like, he's like Marilyn what's wrong I said this baby's touching my heart because it feels like it's happening to me and I have albinism feels like right. you're cutting my hand off or you're cutting my foot off you know and and, and and things these kind of things that as a part of this advocacy we have to speak out and say no this can't go on anymore this can't yeah. go on anymore and I had I had a listener. Um, she's in the UK, and she's a person of She's older, older than us. And she, you know, she was sharing the information in sub-Sahara in Africa. That that place is where they do there as well, the mutilation, the killings, and so forth. But I think these myths is a part of. Okay, it's a systematic belief which is not true, because. When do you really hear somebody say PWA or Presser of Albinism has given them rituals or wealth? I really want to see an article on this. Right, 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 right. It's it's just it's just silly, you know. Um, and hopefully that stuff stops, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it stops. Yeah, because I really, I am. Um, I, I honestly, when I hear stories of this. It, you know, when I heard of it back in the day, people talk about this. I never thought this was true. I didn't think it was real. But because social media and journalists has gone undercover, I've heard that they've gone undercover to expose this. Now it's brought to the, to the light now. And that's where advocacy started because I didn't think it it would be that bad where people of albinism will get killed or persecuted just because of something that is lacked and for ritual purposes and I also was told by a, another PWA from South Africa, she shared this with me a couple episodes ago, she said that an arm would cost 90,000 US dollars You said it would, how much? A thousand dollars? Nine zero ninety k 90,000. Oh, I might give her $1,000. I might give her all. You might listen. <laughs> if I wasn't, if I was not a gamer, if I was not a gamer, I'd give you an arm for $90,000. <laughs> you know that might not be too bad. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm no, just no, no. being no, silly. No, no, no. I know what you mean. But yes, people do not, so, do so not like, take this yeah. serious. I'm just so, joking. So, yeah, I know, we I know. Do I know, not I know, condone right. any, any of that. Yeah, we don't. We, we, I can't do it, but I'm just saying, like a body part on a black market, if it's an arm or a leg, it will cost that much for wow. a person with albinism. And when wow. I when I was mind blown by that, I said, "Are you 
serious right now? You're telling me an arm or a leg will cost 90k? Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's I you was... know, that kind of I mean, you know, that's kind of like it's horrible, but then in a in another note, it's kind of like telling us we're very valuable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. So, hey, we know it's a horrible situation. Hey, you want to buy me for $90,000? Okay, cool. Right. If you wow. say I bring, wealth, if I bring wealth to your house, then hey, I bring wealth to your house. I'm a blessing to you. Then if you take my arm for 9000 then maybe you can help cover your debts and bills. And I'm not condoning right. any, I'm not condoning any form of brutality, but if that's the kind of mindset that you lot have, then Way, and another myth as well that I don't know if you've heard as well, where they said people with albinism we cure HIV or AIDS. Yeah, so I, I I've heard that, and a person actually told me that that is why a lot of women with albinism yeah, well, in Africa actually suffer from HIV and AIDS because they've been maliciously raped by other yeah. men who have HIV and AIDS that think that that woman was their cure. So yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of that. And because they think that that's the cure, these men who, who are infected with HIV and AIDS, they go and they rape a woman with albinism thinking they will cure it. And now you've just spread it to her and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's ab- that's just absolutely oh. the, the pit of the bottom of just not no. even just malice and malicious intent, but just of cruelty, just of human cruelty. That is the bottom of the barrel of human cruelty. Like that kind of stuff makes no sense. Makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, it's so true because you're like, okay, instead of curing it, you're giving it. And, you know, it's a life sentence for that person now because not only that you pass it on to her, you've ruined her life now. Right. So she has to carry that disease for the rest of her life. And right. then it's like they have to have treatments. So imagine treatments is not cheap. Right. It's Especially not, like not in, the in Africa. I'm not sure Africa, it's right? not even readily available in Africa, the, the treatment. Well, it, it depends and, and, and depends on the type of support system you get or resource that you have there so it all depends on the area that you live in so you don't have the the the, the actual adequate support so it's even harder for them so these are things that it's put in the front lines and no albinism is not what you think it is no it doesn't cure hiv it doesn't cure any diseases at all so you know don't don't get it twisted it's not what you think it is you know, but I think because I, I believe this move is spread by a lie, and then the lie gets bigger and bigger, right? And then people start to believe, oh, this, oh, it's so true, it's true that that means so and so. But I, I haven't been exposed to this type of things myself, but to see it and to hear about it, to see videos of it, I am traumatized because it feels like it's actually happening to me. Honestly, that's just I I I, I can empathize in a sense. I, I put myself in that scenario, in a sense of it feels like it's, it feels like my body's been attacked. You know, if that's how I don't know if, if you feel that same way as well. No, of course I don't feel that same way. But you know, for someone who has a lot of 
empathy and sympathy. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. see why they would yeah. feel that way. Yeah, you 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 empathized with that person, so it's like, you know, it's 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 so it's horrible, you know, these memes, these things, and you know, and not only that, and another thing, I don't know if you heard about this one as well, Dale. I was also told that they desecrate the a person of albinism when a person albinism died, they don't bury them in the day; they bury them at night. Because of these myths and this dangerous superstition, they believe that oppressive albinism, they don't die. So what they do, they say that they vanish. You know, at some point, I start to think, do people even really believe that? Or is this just, you know, this is like no different than, um, let's say like the tooth fairy or something at this because something like that is just so ridiculous that it's no different than believing in like the tooth fairy or something so i would really challenge show me a person who really believes that i don't even think people genuinely Mm -hmm. believe that anymore i think that that's just maybe something they thought centuries ago that just kept Mm -hmm. lingering around and just continued to be like an herb uh, urban legend or something i don't i don't think that there's anyone in their right mind that still even believes this kind of nonsense, you know? Yeah, because, all right. So even even when a person dies, they want to exhume their body and take their body parts. And I, I just think it's so barbaric that actually when someone sent me a link about there's a charity called Under the Same Sun and the person, Albanese, and he died of skin cancer and a person, someone digged up his grave exhume this body and take body parts from it. So these are things that are still going on in this day and age right now. Not even in death that a person albinism is um is safe. And wow. I literally was so speechless that these things are still going on. So a person can't even have a proper resting place or have a to be and to respect the dead with dignity in other words. I that's it just sad. makes me feel that's sad. Like, yeah prayers for those who could possibly even be affected or experience this prayers to all of those that's sad mm-hmm. definitely definitely so uh let's move on now because as a part of albinism talk as well i always ask my guests we're gonna talk about mental health now so del um in your opinion you know and where you are as well is mental health spoken about within the PWA community. So I, I feel like I feel like mental health is probably one of the least talked about topics in the albinism community. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very important topic to discuss, but I think it's always forgotten. You know, whenever we talk mm-hmm. about albinism. We talk about the hair, we talk about the skin, we talk about the vision, we talk about bullying, we talk about relationships, we talk about everything, but mental health is always forgotten. And I think it's very important because I know a few people whose mental health was actually affected by having albinism, whether it be it tears down their confidence or it makes them feel inadequate to others or it just deteriorates their their ego, their their feeling of self-worth. They start to feel like no one takes them serious. They start to feel all these different psychological ways that truly breaks a person down to the core. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, 
none of those things has happened to me. And that's because I've had a strong family backing to prevent me from ever getting to that point mentally or emotionally, but it, it, it happens. And, and mental health is serious because when you just put yourself, well, I can't say this to you because you have albinism. So for someone who doesn't have albinism, put yourself in the mental mindset of having a condition that you cannot change that literally alters how you look and alters what you can do on the daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it causes you all of these stares, all of this mistreatment. You're bound to have some kind of psychological issue or effect from it. And it mm-hmm. can affect your mental health. And in some scenarios, it could possibly affect your mental health in a positive way. Like how it may have done for me, where it just helps me to know hey, I'm different and there's nothing wrong with that, but it can also definitely affect your mental health in a negative way. So I think mental health and albinism definitely connects and it is a serious topic that should always be addressed and discussed. I, you know, for me, I would love to come back on your podcast at some point and talk about this because, you know, mental health is real and not only just in the albinism community, but my main focus is with the albinism community because of the the self-esteem issues as you said about the confidence feeling rejected by peers and family members isolation quote-unquote all of those things takes a toll on somebody's mental health because you know especially if you was born different and you're you know you, you come into society and society treats you in such a negative way and because of the stigma around albinism of course a lot of people with albinism may be timid to go outside or they're, they're scared to meet new people new surroundings because of it so it's like a mental gel you know and 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 these are things that it needs to be exposed it needs to be talked about more not just the physical aspects of having albinism but the psychological and the emotional health and well-being, because most people with albinism, majority I know of, some, they, they're very timid, some are shy, some are even scared to even maybe talk to other PWAs, if you know what I'm saying. So these are yeah. areas that we need to make it as advocates to be the voice to those who are struggling with their mental health because I know what it is like myself you know having anxiety and you know battling depression I know what it's like to to you know to even dealing with the identity crisis obviously as a black woman myself my parents are black you know and I'm sure you know when people look at your skin and they say oh you're a white girl or you're a white way or you're a white man or white woman but not looking at your features and saying okay your features is black but your skin is different so these are an an identity crisis also has an impact on the mental health on a person with albinism you know and and then it's like okay and we get attacked for you know the way we speak or the way we look and they say oh why are you acting black or you know you're not a black girl so i've had that scenario where it's why are you acting like a black girl and you're not black you know but in all science that i am a black woman but my skin is lighter than yours so 
why are you stigmatizing me? You should learn to embrace difference. And another thing as well, with we've been in the black community and having albinism, I truly believe it's another level of racism from your own kind as well, because it's like you're black, but you're you're like melanin, but it's like you get mistreated from your own race. I agree. I t- I totally agree. And also that does take a toll on your mental health. The identity of knowing um, who you are. Can I just share this story with you? I, rem- I was saying this to my husband. I said, you know, when I was younger, I didn't know about ethnic backgrounds, you know, like when you put on a form um, to say what ethnic background are you from? And I remember this and I can't forget, I will never forget this. I remember I put on the form that I'm black and white Caribbean and my granddad, God rest his soul, gave me the stare of all stares. You know them looks that you were proper scary. It was so scary. He looked at me and he said, what did you put that there for? I said, granddad, um, am I not white and black Caribbean? Obviously I'm a black woman, but my skin is white. I didn't understand it. So he said to me, don't ever put that on the form again. Don't ever put, <laughs> don't, don't ever put that on the form again. You are not black and white Caribbean. You are a black Caribbean. So every time they ask you on the form, you put black British Caribbean or black Caribbean. And so from that now and up to now, I still do it, but I haven't done it. I don't really do it as much because sometimes it's like, if they ask me what's my ethnic origin or my ethnic background, if I say I'm a black Caribbean and they look at my skin, they'll be like, what do you mean you're black Caribbean, but your skin looks different. So what I do is now they've put it as a thing here is um, you prefer not to say. So I choose that just to be on the safe side of things now, because sometimes I just cannot be asked to explain about my albinism to people you know sometimes I just I just can't be asked but I if I, I sometimes if I if I really need to I will probably do it but most times I'll be like I prefer not to say my ethnicity because even though I know I'm a black woman it's already hard as it is having albinism and then people look at you and they're like but you're not black though your skin's not black but it's nothing to do with being black it's actually your identity and that's one of the things with identity crisis within the albinism communities if you're whether if you are black with albinism or if you're latina with albinism it comes down it comes down to society stigmatizing us because of our ethnic origins yes understood understood So Dale, um, oh my God, it's almost almost to the hour. Obviously, normally if there was people who was joining us, but it's okay because um, I like it like this sometimes. <laughs> because sometimes when people are in the room and they have their mics on, sometimes I can't get through what I need to get through. But yeah, um, one of the things that's with you. So relationship-wise, I want to ask you. So um, you said you were married. So um when you met your wife i'm also married as well so did she how did she feel about you having albinism 
what was her impression of you? So, you know, the the funny thing was, <clears throat> and she didn't tell me this until later on after we've gotten married. The funny thing is this, before she met me, mm-hmm. she said to herself in her head, yeah. I would love to have a black man who looks white. <laughs> now, you know, what? when she when she told me this, I was just, I'm just like, where the heck did that thought come from? And why did you, why did you, and mind you, she felt this way before she met me. And the crazy mm-hmm. thing is she said to herself, I never even thought about albinism when that thought came into my mind. So mm-hmm. I guess maybe she would have looked for a light skinned black male. I don't know, but she said to herself, she wanted a black man with the black features but who had the appearance of a man who's white, like on the outside. And that's exactly what she got. So now she has, so now she has a, a, a man who is black, who looks to be white on the outside. And I guess it works perfect for her. So, you know, I guess she loves, you know, she loves it. <laughs> oh, wow. I've never heard of this. You know, this is I've never heard this before either. Very strange. Wow. Very strange. But... Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh my that, was, that was her thoughts. <laughs> oh my God. Well, wifey, you chose the right man. I, I, I honestly, for me, when I got, I've been married coming up. Well, next year will be four years since I've been married. And my husband, I, I always asked him this. I said to him, I said to him, do you, do, when you first met me, like before we even got together, we were friends and everything. And I was like, what did, what did you see in me that drew you to me and stuff like that? And he said, do you know what? It's, I never looked at your albinism. I just see the person that's who you are. And that's what kind of gravitated to me and my husband where he doesn't even look at the condition. He sees me for me. And that's one of the messages that I want to really send across to any PWAs that are struggling to find a relationship. Be with somebody that will love you beyond your albinism because I'm sure your wife doesn't even look at your albinism in any way. Like, you know, she won't even be like, oh, he's just a you know, albinism guy or whatnot. He loved, she loves you beyond that. And that is so important, you know, that a person can love you beyond any skin condition, whether it's vitiligo, albinism, any, you know, just any genetic um, conditions really. And, and that's something that, and that's a good partner or a good husband or a good spouse to have, to love you beyond your condition so i'm glad that your wife and my husband can love us beyond our albinism yeah and i I think that that's i think that that's super important because you want someone who can love you for you and not only that but be willing to accept what comes with it because if you want to date me or you want to date a person who has albinism understand what comes with it and what's going to come with it is a lot of stares a lot of a lot of a lot of unwanted attention a lot of people approaching me asking me a bunch of questions so be prepared to deal with what comes with dating a person with albinism (laughs) it's so true and not only that as well um uh, and not not only that as well 
what I I've also come to learn about albinism is itself, yeah, it comes with its the benefits of having it because even with me as a woman with albinism, you know, I can melanate my skin. I can put makeup on, I look fabulous. I cannot wear makeup and I still feel beautiful, you know? And one of the things I overcame was my natural hair color with the blonde. I overcame that. As you can see, I've got, I decided, you know, to go natural blonde, you know? And I, right and I love that. I really, I really love that. And you know, so now Marvelyn, um, I am definitely running a bit low on time. So yes, I got to skate. Up. But listen, if you ever want me to come back onto your show, let me yeah, know. Um, I'll definitely invite you back onto my show. But definitely. I definitely got to run. So, um, yeah, so just, just, just any... to wrap this up. Just okay. to wrap this up. I know you have to go. So just wrap this one thing. I'm going to say, what is the message you would like to leave with me and to the listeners out there? Okay, the message I want to leave with, with everyone is be confident in your skin. Be confident in your skin. Be confident with how you look and who you are and do not care about what other people think because what other people think of you does not matter. Confidence mm -hmm. is key, especially if you have albinism. And yes. listen, if anybody wants to reach out to me or wants to talk to me, you can contact me on any of my social medias. Um, the Instagram is life underscore with underscore albinism. The YouTube is life with albinism podcast. And we do have a website. So if any of that is too difficult to remember or to write down, just go to lifewithalbinism.com. That's it. Simply life with albinism.com right there's our instagram our youtube our podcast our bio you can reach out to me any of our co-hosts any of our guests i'm open for discussion to talk if you want to join my podcast let me know if you want to join marvelin's podcast definitely contact her love you guys and i'm just so happy to have been on your show marvelin Thank you. You're welcome. So, guys, you hear it from the man himself. Please follow um, Del Hamilton's links, life underscore with underscore Albertson on Instagram. Subscribe to his YouTube channel, guys. And also remember to subscribe to Yell for Change YouTube channel and please follow us on all social media platforms. So, the word is Yell, yell so Y E W L, the number four, change. And if you are a PWA and a parent with children or a child with albinism and you would like to be featured on the Alpha Change podcast, and if you'd like to be a part of Dell's podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram or email yellforchange at gmail.com for Yell for Change podcast. If, if, have you got an email that you'd like to drop, Dell? If you... Yes, um, lifewithalbinism3.com. But I know throwing all of those links could be a little confusing. So quickest way where you can get to everything that I have to offer, lifewithalbinism.com. That's fine. So that's it, guys. So thank you for taking your time out with me, Dale, on Albinism Talk with Marvelyn. Um, that's it for tonight, guys. Remember to yell for Albinism. Together we stand, together we can. Thank you so much for tuning in to Albinism Talk with Marvelyn. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>